So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance K. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season four, episode 12 of The Other Way. In this episode, Danielle meets her mech something on a boat, Jen's friends come up with another scheme, Gabriel's sister is either helping or getting in the way of all of his relationships, Chris and Jamie each tell their side of the story while Chris is gone, Nicole tries shopping with Mahmoud's sister-in-law Fatima, and Osama shows us his true colors. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dunces, and Life Lessons. If you like what you hear, if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we're covering the new season of Life After Lockup. Okay, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy! Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Uh, better now that I remember which one of us is supposed to go first in this episode. And that I called you by the right name instead of my own? Yes! <laughs> We're off to stellar start, everyone. Just a great start after a busy Monday. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I would like to request a couple to start off with. Okay. Debbie on Osama because, oh my goodness, I was like yelling at my television. And it's been a while that a couple has made me feel so strongly enough where I have yelled at my television. All right. Well, let's start with them. Okay. So Debbie feels like she's aged 10 years in one night after spending time in Osama's family's house. She (laughs) said the toilet was upholstered. The shower was weird and there wasn't any railing on the stairs. I think I feel like the upholstered toilet really, really was the one that got her. She's like, why? It's just germs. <laughs> so she really just wants out of here. So soon Osama comes to check on her and Debbie wants to give out her the gifts that she got for everyone. So she gives she first person we see is dad and she gives him a canvas and some painting tools. And he's actually surprised because it's a gift he actually wanted. Oh, like okay. he said he was meant he liked to draw and paint when he was younger and he was thinking about getting into it. And oh, look at this. There's painting supplies. So <laughs> good for her. So he wants to get. Um, so anyway, next up, Osama's sister, Asma, comes in with some tea. And then we get like Osama trying to show off by pouring the tea like really far away from the cup. <laughs> so Osama's dad says he's very happy that Osama has someone that um, can help him immigrate to the United States. Debbie doesn't say anything, what? but. She's a little confused because uh, she thinks that she moved to Morocco and they're not moving to the United States and she doesn't know what's going on. She even says again, "Um, I moved here and she is confused about why the family is under the assumption that she's going to be getting him a visa. So she tries to explain the situation, but the language barrier is pretty strong. So Asma, the sister, does seem to figure out that what she says is that they are going to live in Rabat, um, not the United States. And she thinks that's a terrible idea because Debbie's going to have too much trouble with the culture. And also, Osama's always wanted to get out. So Debbie can see, can tell that they are all surprised and now is suspicious about what Osama has been telling him. She says this whole thing just isn't adding up. So later that day, they go to take a look at the family farm where Debbie makes a new friend, the donkey. Oh, gosh. That she sings to for a very long time. There was a long extended scene segment of her singing an yeah. Irish lullaby to this donkey. But also singing that lullaby really slowly. <laughs> yes, very slowly, yeah. very slow, very deliberate lullaby singing. Yes. So then she also has a sudden urge to ride the donkey. So he, God. so Osama puts on the big saddle and she hops on. But she doesn't stay on for long because according to her, God didn't give her a butt. 
and she falls right off the thing. So <laughs> we finally got, I feel like I, I, we knew she was going to fall off in the time we saw it because it was getting like all the teasers for the season was lady falling also, off donkey. That wasn't really like a saddle. Or if it was meant to be, it certainly wasn't strapped on even yeah, a well, little there was bit. Yeah, no, there was no girth. It did not go underneath the donkey, like at all. Yeah. Um, so anyway, then they uh, – she blames him and just wishes she could have managed to go through at least one episode where she can maintain her dignity, but apparently not. <laughs> um, so anyway, they get then they get to the painting, which is the reason they got came here. They're going to paint the scenes at the farm. So uh, the whole time they're trying to paint – like Debbie is talking and trying to ask questions and also like humming. And Osama's getting visibly annoyed that she's making noise because he <laughs> said, I just came up here for quiet concentration. So she tries to get some information out of him about his plans, but he constant can't concentrate on the painting and also talk about plans about his future. He can only he only has one mind, he says. He can only do one thing. He's getting very irritated that she always wants to talk about the plan. But Debbie says, well, I always want to talk about the plan because every time I try to start talking about the plan, you never actually talk about the plan. <laughs> so that still needs to be done. So anyway, she says that over the text messages and everything, they have these deep conversations. But now that she's in Morocco, she feels like he's just blowing him off, blowing her off all the time. So he says that she just needs to be patient and not try to do everything right now. He calls her crazy and sick in the head for trying to do everything in one day. Wow. This is just the question she's asking is, where do we plan on living forever? And <laughs> yeah. This is his reaction. You're insane. Um, so she's telling him that she can already hear her kids saying, I told you so in the background. So then he gets angry and he like more or less like gets crazy eyes and yells his plan at her, which is you're going to take me back to the States. I'm going to start working there. That's the plan. I'm not changing my mind. If you don't like it, get the hell out. Oh, um, my gosh. So, um, yeah, I mean, this was – I mean, you said you were yelling at the TV and I assume it's because this guy's a fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. And it's like to see his personality shift yes. so much mm -hmm. and the way he just talked to her, like, this is the plan. I'm not changing my mind. It's like, whoa, buddy. You came up with this plan entirely on your own. You have been misleading this woman from the very beginnings. You know, this is the other way, not 90 Day Fiance. So there's an understanding that she was going to live there. And right. even for him to say like, oh, this is a trial, three months here, and then you'll go home. It's like now it's starting to make sense. Yeah, you go home so you can set everything up. Mm -hmm. You know, and get the visa started, and then he'll come and, uh, you know, follow. But it's just like, wow. I feel like with everyone that we have seen on this show, they certainly, you know, kind of play up the, oh, are they just using you for the green card angle? This guy is very clearly using her for the green card. I don't think I've ever, like, been more, like, sure yeah. about it so early on. Yeah, well, I mean... Because he's really bad at it. Like, yeah. he gets so annoyed with her humming and talking when he's trying to paint that he's just like, you know what, lady? I'm just using you for a green card. Just right. shut the hell up. <laughs> right? He basically, he more or less just did that to her. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But it's just like this came out of absolutely nowhere that his plan was to come to America. And right. it's like – Thank you for being on this show because now it's like – because you know he's the kind of guy 
based on what we just saw, that he is hell-bent on coming to the U.S. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what thirsty like american would be like oh yeah like let's let's be on 90 day fiance with this guy like a la kim and Usman, you know like oh, get a second one we get a second bite at the apple right, right right i feel like that was ugly enough where no woman would be like oh yeah like i saw you on tv i'll marry you i'm that desperate enough for love and attention and a partner to Make this happen? Come on over. Right. I mean, because it was – and you're right because this is the other way, which mm-hmm. means that like at some point you're like, well, did Debbie just misunderstand what he was saying? Was she putting her own interpretation? It's like, <laughs> right. no, I'm pretty sure he lied to the producers too and said, yeah. yeah, this woman's coming to live here. And then all of a sudden is like, wait, no, she's not. Like I'm out. And his his family wasn't surprised at all. Like they, they already knew this was the plan, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just like there's so many things that don't add up because and Debbie is right to keep on wanting to have this conversation. Now, I don't know about like, you know, the timing of these things, but I mean, but she's absolutely right. And it's fair of her to ask. The reason why is because this would have very easily been one conversation that was over if he was giving consistent answers. But Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem. He's giving inconsistent answers. And so she's like, wait a second. So what are we doing now? Because it seemed that she was just, you know, having some casual conversation the first night she was there when they were in that courtyard. For sure. And then that's mm-hmm. when she first hears, like, he's planning on her going back in three months. And she's like, wait, wait, what? And so since then, she's trying to get like a, wait, so what exactly is supposed to be happening? What is this timeline? Because me going back in three months, like, I'm going to need to know what happens after that. And so she keeps on having these conversations or trying to, and he seems he seems to get real mad about it. Right. And he gets real mad because he's doing that. He's deflecting and he's, yeah. you know, it, it, you know, if I get mad at her, she can't get mad at me first. So I'm right. going to get mad at her for even asking. And then does this thing. I mean, because it's not just what he said, which was bad mm-hmm. enough. It's also the how he said it. Oh, he was nasty. Totally yeah. condescending. Like, you knew this, you dumb bitch. Right? Yeah. And it was like, and she didn't. We know she didn't. We know that was the first she heard about right. him getting a visa to the U.S. We we are pretty confident that that's, that's the first time he mentioned it. And yeah. he said it as if like. Like me telling a child, like, I already told you this five times. Like, yeah. you need to pick up your shoes. And they're like, what? Shoes? Huh? Like, <laughs> and, but he just, that, that that condescending attitude that I'm in charge. This is the deal. Take it or leave it is like, ugh. Like, and the other thing, too, is like, I mean, I guess, you know, Debbie's weird enough that it seems like it. But, like, I just don't understand how he, how that guy, that dorky, dorky guy. Has the mm-hmm. self-confidence to pull off, I'm the real prize here and you'll do what I want because you'll get me. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Because uh, – and then just I thought it was so insulting the way he talked to her. Like, you're – do you have a mental illness? You're what crazy is and you? have mental you're illness. crazy. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh. I could not – I like I didn't think he was the best guy. I thought it was m- more weird than anything, you know, but oh, yeah, I actually right. – hate this guy now and I, I think the same with debbie too right i just kind of took both of them as these weirdos you right. know and the thing is with debbie yeah she's a total weirdo but she's actually really sweet 
And I feel bad that she's in this situation. Yeah, she's goofy as hell, but she clearly has a big heart. Like, Oh, yeah. right. And I mean, she's been really calm with him this whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, weird people, they can have like annoying habits. So yeah, I think Debbie would probably get on my nerves too. The constant humming and, you know, the, I, I would need some silence as well. And I don't even have to be painting. I get I don't, that. Yeah, I wouldn't need so much singing to the purdy donkey. Like, I would be like, <laughs> are we doing this with every animal we see? Is this how it's going to be from now on? Right. But just the reaction to her, it's like, that's supposed to be your partner. If you're really that annoyed with her, like, maybe this isn't the person for you. And then maybe you should go about, like, you know, getting rid of her in a different way. Mm-hmm. But clearly he's using her, so obviously he's going to, right. you know, put have, up he'd with to, He'd have annoyances. to start over with somebody else. Oh, God. Honestly, after this show, I, I – You don't think – I, I don't know, man. So. People people are people are thirsty. I mean, I guess – Yeah. I can see it with – I guess I could have, could have seen it – I can see it more with Usman because he actually at least seems like a funny guy. Like, right. He's charismatic enough. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he's g- good looking and uh, he's got like the swag, at least, even if it's if it's not like real, but at yeah. least like. And he's got people you know, are people are into the music thing. Like. Right. Right. But Osama, it's like, what do you got going on for you? He's got weird poems and donkeys. That's all he's got. Yeah. He doesn't have the best look either. So. Well, he's got that lazy eye. That's the part that messes it up. Yeah. Well, that and the teeth and oh, yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. going on. So, yeah. All right. Uh, over kind of in their neighborhood or their part of the world, I should say, we got Nicole and Mahmoud. So Nicole has finally figured out how to light the stove by herself. And Mahmoud praises her progress. He's happy about – he is not happy, I should say, about Nicole's friend, Noran, that they met a couple episodes ago. So he reached out to Fatima, his brother's Chinese wife, to ask her to befriend Nicole. Fatima stops by to take Nicole to the market. Nicole says that she'd like Noran, but she agrees with Mahmoud that Noran was aggressive with him and attacked him, so she's not sure if that friendship is worth the drama. Fatima takes Nicole to pick out a chicken. Nicole says that she's never seen live chickens at the market and wonders if that's even allowed at a farmer's market in the U.S. The mix of people, cars, and animals is stressful for Nicole. Fatima moves on to the vegetables. She's showing Nicole how to pick out vegetables, and Nicole says she's basically being trained and she understands that she doesn't know how to pick good food or to get a good price. Nicole thinks uh, some of her self-worth is tied into being independent, and right now she's feeling helpless and therefore feeling low. Fatima has adjusted to life in Egypt pretty easily, and Nicole admires that, but also wonders why her adjustment has been so difficult. She worries she will never feel at home there. Nicole asks Fatima how long it took for her to figure out the whole shopping thing, and Fatima says one year. Fatima says she misses China. Nicole confesses she's not sure how much longer she can actually stay in Egypt. Nicole says she doesn't think it's her place and she wants to go back to the U.S. Fatima asks about, you know, Mahmoud and Nicole suggests that Mahmoud should come with her. It ends up that Nicole applied for a spousal visa as a backup plan. They don't know when the visa will be approved and Mahmoud agreed to this whole visa thing even though he doesn't really want to go to the U.S. Fatima says that Mahmoud's mom will be very upset if they go. Nicole says that they should try it, and if they don't like it, then they'll figure out the next move. 
Fatima thinks Nicole should stay one to two years before actually leaving. And Nicole feels like this is really the only option moving forward. Mahmoud is taking Nicole to an animal shelter as a surprise. They're going to go pick out a cat. Mahmoud thinks the cats are just getting a free massage from Nicole as they're, you know, getting acclimated and meeting the cats. And Nicole seems to like them all, but she's worried about getting a cat because what do they do uh, with it when she leaves Egypt? Nicole doesn't think it's right just to get a cat to give it away. Nicole thanks Mahmoud for being so thoughtful, but she says she's ready to leave Egypt. Mahmoud says that he's trying to make her like it there, and he wants her to give it more time. Mahmoud says that he feels so mad and sad during this conversation. He says that he won't make her stay, and Nicole assures him that it's not him and she uh, that the reason why she wants to leave. Mahmoud is afraid that she will change her mind about him in the future. Nicole says that she wants to set up their life in the U.S., but Mahmoud points out that they don't know how long a visa will take. He says it won't be easy to move to the U.S., and he won't uh, move there if they're not still married. Nicole thinks that they will both be happier in the U.S., and that will make their relationship better. Mahmoud is fearful that people will not accept him for being Egyptian and Muslim. Okay, so... I, to point out the obvious, I feel like Mahmoud's um, concerns about moving to the U.S. are the same struggles that Nicole has being in Egypt. Yes. So why do you think that he doesn't show her more empathy about her situation? I, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't show anybody more empathy about anything. He just <laughs> is not a very empathetic person. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think he's a little misguided. I, I do think I mean, let's put it this way. We've seen him enough and I've seen we've seen him. If he's going to argue with that with like Nuran, mm-hmm. he's not going to get along well in the US. Right? right. And it has nothing to do with him being Muslim. Right. I know mm-hmm. plenty of Muslims in the US that get along just fine. But if right. he's going to be if he's going to be as conservative and as a hardline Muslim as he is in Egypt. In the mm-hmm. U.S., it's just not going to fly. Like, nobody's going to listen to him, um, right? And is he going to go around being like, oh, you can't, like, no, I just, I, I'm not going to, like, you can't go there, you can't go there, you can't. Because there's nowhere, if he doesn't want him hanging out, want her hanging out with Naran in Egypt, yeah. then there's going to be no one in the U.S. that he's okay with her hanging out with, right? Yeah, that's pretty true. And so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a little bit different in that way, actually, mm-hmm. in that she has no problem accepting his role and how he fits into Egyptian society. She just doesn't know where she fits in. Yeah. Right? I think he'd have a problem with both. Yeah. I, I People like Mahmoud confuse me. But I know it's, it's not just him. There is plenty of people out there like him. But it's like, to me, it's the whole like live and let live. I feel like you can have your own convictions and your own beliefs and really stick to your values. But to almost like want society and other people to deal with that as well, you know, and to kind of, you know, want to be. And I mean, and I think it's perfectly reasonable to want to be around like-minded people, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that I like judge him for, you know, because it's one of those things where I'm sure it's a lot easier to be around people that are dressed conservatively rather than, I mean, it's the whole reason why if I were to be thrown into a nudist colony, it would make me uncomfortable, but not, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't expect everyone to believe what I believe in, you know, but it's kind of like, can't Mm -hmm. you coexist? 
right? Like, just live and let live. They're the ones going to hell. What do you care? And I think he does, but I think – because he said that before. He was like, mm-hmm. Neuron was wearing a dress. He was like, I don't care. She's not my wife. Yeah. Right? It's, it, it, so there are only certain people he applies that to, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, it – and it just – to me, that's almost worse, right? You're like, other yeah. people who aren't me, who have different beliefs, are more than welcome to, to wear what they want, but not my wife. Right. It just it just implies a sort of ownership over your wife. Like I could tell I, she's my wife, so I get to tell I get to decide what she wears. Yeah, right? that 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 bothers me. But I also feel like he would just be uncomfortable with a place where everybody was out there because he literally says the reason women should cover up is so I'm not tempted or whatever. Right. Yeah. And he'd just be like, I'm going to walk down my blinders on. So I'm not tempting myself like that would be <laughs> tough. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I don't know how he would do in America. But at the same time, it's like, I do feel like he has this sense of like, they shouldn't be apart, you know? So if they were still married, I feel like he would go, but it's like, what is a stronger desire for him? Is it a stronger desire to be with Nicole or to go Mm -hmm. back home among people that share his values and understand him? I mean, I, I, but I think, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like it would, that you're not wrong from your kind of first assessment. It would be the same story in reverse. Yeah. Like, well, I want to go and, and help, but this is too much and I can't do it and I have to go back. Right. right. And yeah. then so are they just going to keep bouncing back and forth forever? Like, is that is that the plan? Like, cause, I don't know. If they could make money, I don't see why that wouldn't be an unreasonable compromise. If they could find a job that, you know, doesn't have to be Maybe. Yeah. there. Yeah, because I mean, I, I could see Nicole being like, wow, I really don't like it in Egypt, but, you know, it's three months and then yeah. three months later we'll be we'll be back in the States and then right. he'll be uncomfortable for three months and I'll be okay. Right. And like, it's that because I feel like that's it. I feel like it's that this is my life forever now. Yeah. Like is, oh, I get to go to the market and measure the vegetables and, and pay this. It's like, I don't want this to be my life forever. And yeah. if it's not your life forever, then, you know, it's something you could deal with on limited term basis. Right. It was it was kind of funny watching her shop and I felt bad for her. I, I don't I wouldn't say picking produce is one of my strengths either, but it was yeah. just like based on what Fatima what, like the feedback she was giving her, it was kind of like no, she's really bad. She's like, "Nope, bad price. Nope, bad <laughs> vegetables." Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard. Like I don't know because the the bad vegetables yeah, you have to know what to look for certain things and stuff, but um, it's the part where it's like the price, yeah. right? Because they're like, oh, they're going to give you a, the white person price. They are, and it, it, uh, there's a reason it's the white person price because if you said here's an enti- entire bag of produce, it's going to cost you two sixty three. I'm going to be like, okay, cool, that sounds nice. okay, that's yeah, a good deal, yeah, <laughs> right. And geez, they're being like, no, 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 it's a terrible, terrible price. What are you doing? Stop that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. I don't know. It, it, it's a little disappointing that she's already like, you know, off on her own. I mean, it's definitely telling that that Muhammad was Mahmoud. I mean, was just like immediately was like, oh, oh, if I let her find her own friends, this is what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> I need to make sure I find out people people for her to be with. I mean, honestly, though, I think having a little bit of both is nice because Fatima, even though she is adjusted, you know, and, um, you know, very much uh, conservative like Mahmoud would want, I think like she has that shared experience of, you know, making the adjustment of moving there. And so, I mean, yes. that's kind of nice to be able to relate to someone like that. 
Right. And it, it was something that I, I thought was notable that, that, you know, Fatima was like, it's going to, it took me like two years to figure this out. Like, you should probably stay for that long. And, yeah. and Nicole's just on the other side, just being like, oh, I don't know how she got it so fast. It was like, it yeah, took her like, two really. years. It wasn't that fast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I think like, even though she has been way more compliant, I also feel like Mahmoud's brother uh, Muhammad, a little bit more liberal and not as rigid in his thinking as Mahmoud. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that helps too. But it's also yeah. kind of funny because it's like, well, they probably should have like, you know, swapped the kind of uh, personalities, right? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of feel like a lot of that was just Fatima being like worn down and figuring it, <laughs> taking her time to figure it out. She might, it might have been very similar arguments um, with, you know, with with his brother and and although the whole family does seem to think that Mahmoud is particularly stubborn, yeah, sure. Um, speaking of particularly stubborn, let's go to Danielle. Oh goodness! So it's the day after Johan's party, and she says that he has yet to apologize. Even this morning, he's still pretty upset that she's meeting with her ex Talyn, um, and they're meeting on like a boat river cruise together alone with no one else on the boat. It was okay. <laughs> and she still thinks that it's childish that he's upset about this situation. But he he at least he does know that she's here because it was one of those like, I'm going. And he was like, fine, you can do what you want. Like, but I'm upset about it. Anyway, so it's fine with her that way because she says he's just going to have to learn how to accept how she lives her life. And this is how she lives her life. So Talon had booked the river cruise for the two of them at Yo. Talon was one of those guys that says Yo all the time after oh everything. Oh, my God. He was so annoying. I was like, how old is this guy? They never said. They didn't. And I mean, obviously, he's, I, he's in his 30s, right? He, no, I wouldn't say that because he's trying to do professional basketball, right? Yeah, but I mean, I know people who hold on to that dream for too long. But he's like in the European League. So if if 30, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The the thing that I do know about the European leagues is they're actually limited by the number of Americans they're allowed to have on the team. And so a lot of times it's hard to make the team if you're like an American. A lot of times they're like, oh, an American's on the team. It's going to be like a fast guy who dunks all the time. Yeah, let's bring that guy on. Right. And then they they tend to get the roster spots. But if you manage to be like, you know, find a way, finagle a way to get a uh, another passport, like a Canadian passport or an Irish passport, then all of a sudden you don't count against the limit. Anyway, basketball news. So anyway, um, she says that Talon was the last person that she dated before Johan. And it sounded like, I don't know, that she explained it one way, but they were just bang buddies during COVID. Yeah. They couldn't go anywhere. She taught from his room in Miami and they just did it all day long is what it sounded like Um, until he had to go back to his basketball career. And she actually had to go back to New York to teach because she couldn't teach Zoom school anymore. So – Talon asks if he will ever get to meet Johan, but she says that yeah, things are tough right now. He's upset over her even being on this boat, and he seems like a completely different person um, than the one than he was before. Once he committed to, once she committed to, and got off the plane in DR, so Talon thinks that Johan will grow with her around. Like he'll she'll grow, like he'll he'll grow up around because that's what happened to Talon. He grew up a lot when she Danielle was around because she's a good teacher. I don't know. It also seemed like he had some sort of like she was like a weird sexual teacher for him. It was like, I don't know. It was their relationship confuses me. 
as it was like, yes, we did it all the time, but also you were like my teacher and a mentor. And I'm like that, that whole dynamic of, Ew, that just makes me yeah. as a teacher say yeah <laughs> yes i agree i was like eh, what how old is this guy yes i guess that's part of the question that goes into it too yes but like i'm always grossed out by teachers that sleep with people that are like their subjects or their mentees or students and stuff it's <laughs> so she wonders if maybe this isn't the right situation for her because she says she doesn't want to have to teach someone anymore maybe it's time that someone teaches her for a change so Danielle wants her to Danielle wants Johan to see that her relationship with Taylin is not really a is not a threat, and basically puts all the blame on, on Johan. So he should just see it that way. You know, he should see the way things I I he should see things the way I do. He should grow up. He needs to work on his trust issues, um, and that's pretty much where we leave it because it was just one sided. You know, Danielle here the whole time. Um, I mean, I guess I just find it hard to believe that. Even Talon doesn't go like, well, yeah, I get why he's upset. They're all just like both ridiculous that anyone would find this situation upsetting. Right. Um, Danielle clearly has a type, um, you know, after meeting Talon. Oh, tall. <laughs> uh, tall, like athletic build, young, yeah. uh, you know. And so therefore, it's like kind of leaning towards immature. I think how Johan has dealt with all of this has been really immature. Talon, with all of his yo's, doesn't seem like the most put together, you know, mature person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know. It's I don't understand why Danielle is insisting on holding on to this person. How is this person positively contributing anything to her life? I don't know. He didn't seem to give particularly good advice like it was no and, and why was he even in dominican republic anyway like i don't know I don't, it's it's I, yeah i don't know what it was as much as it is like i really think she just relishes the opportunity to be like hey johan this is what i'm gonna do and you can't stop me i'm in control of this relationship yeah yeah i i am confused why she was so hell-bent on meeting up with him when it was guaranteed to cause issues in their relationship Mm-hmm. And it's to me like the way I saw them together, totally not worth it, right? No, they didn't seem to have like a huge amount of chemistry. They didn't really seem to be, yeah, getting along like really good, really great right. deep friends. They were just like small talking, like oh yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So like what you're saying, like they had a very superficial relationship. Sure. Do I think it was? maybe very they were very close sure but like at a superficial level because i don't know if he really has the ability to be really deep with someone he just Mm -hmm. came off as really shallow to me yeah yeah i could see that i mean it's it's another thing to be like and that's part of my kind of suspicion with johan about the Mm -hmm. even with johan about this relationship is like oh this person's really important to me and it's like really then why haven't i heard about them until four days ago yeah like are they that important to you because that seems like they would have come up before now right and and to bring out a a random oh my ex is coming you know what i'm saying like there's always the we we talked about it before like the friends that predate the relationship like they get an exemption right if because you're the friends with that you have that are like, well, if something was going to happen, it would have happened. It would have happened. It would have happened already. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's a little bit different when you're it's an ex that predates a relationship. And it's like if something would have happened. Oh, wait, no, it did. It did right. already happen. 
Well, this is the other thing that I like why I make the assumption that she just had a very superficial relationship with Talon is because she is very careful to never have called him her boyfriend. But now she's Mm, saying that they've, uh, you know, lived together for five months during the pandemic. And so it's kind of like. You know, and she was very kind of eh, like when Johan was asking, is this a boyfriend? She's like, no, like, but we dated and it's just kind of like, all right. So when you're getting into that kind of like gray area of you can't call this person your significant other, but clearly things happened, right? Like you were saying before, like this is your bang buddy. So you can't claim innocence of just a friendship. But mm-hmm. you're also not on the other end where it's like, oh, this I was in a relationship with this person. And I feel like she talks about it like very like, yeah, kind of for all intents and purposes, she was in a relationship. So she'll talk about it like she's in a relationship, but she won't say yeah. it's a relationship. Yeah, I could see that because, yeah, it's not like somebody like I could see her being like this if it was a really deep, close friend that maybe she slept with in the past. And it really – that hasn't been the focus of her relationship. It hasn't been like that. But mm-hmm. they have a really like strong emotional bond. But yeah, this is this like – yeah, this is who I banged during the pandemic. And like, yeah, it's super important that they stay in my life. It's like really <laughs> – you're right. If it is if it is a bang bunny, if it's like why why is it – why are you so insistent that we bring your bang bunny back into your life? That seems – Yeah, I don't like, know. So that? you can reminisce about COVID. Like I have no idea like why she would want to hold on to this guy because they have a very shallow like type right. of relationship. I mean I, that's, uh, that's – so, my working theory is the only one – the only reason she wants to hang on to this guy is yeah. because she knows it bothers Johan. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And for a storyline, I think especially because we've heard, you know, about her financial problems outside of the show. It seems right. to me that she's angling to stay on this show to help with her financial issues. And Makes especially sense. if Johan isn't helping the situation by buying hundred dollars worth of peanuts. <laughs> yeah, not hard to get out of the hole when that's going on. Sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's move on to Jen and Rishi. So Jen is frustrated about Rishi's explanation of his family's matchmaking timeline because she believes that he's just giving her blatant lies. Rishi insists to the friends that he is not lying to Jen and he feels like Jen has doubts about him, but he thinks that he's maybe not explaining it well. Randy goes to check on Jen, who has excused herself to the bat to the bathroom and she snarks about how she's surprised Rishi hasn't been concerned enough to check on her himself. Jen says she's done, but Randy tells her, hey, let's not be hasty. Jen says that she will only be satisfied if it's spelled out with a specific timeline. Rishi has been left alone at the table and he thinks maybe what he said isn't what Jen was expecting and that's why she's upset. Myra and Randy uh, remind Jen that she's here because she loves Rishi and tell her it's going to be okay. Later, Jen takes her friends out without Rishi because she wants them to have a fun vacation while they're there. They go to a traditional dance class. Randy is smiling and they're balancing pillows and jars on their head as they try to pick up money with their teeth and no hands. Jen was not expecting a dancing like this outside of a strip club. Jen almost drops her jars as she tries the move. Uh, Rishi has reached out to Jen, and he wants to meet up to talk, including his family. And Myra is telling Jen that she doesn't think that Rishi thought anything was wrong. And Randy suggests 
that they should probably have a translator there. Jen thinks it's odd that he wants to clear things up with his family, even though he's still insisting on waiting two months to tell his family about the engagement. Remember, two months from now at 4 p.m. Randy suggests maybe they could be the ones to tell the family, and it's a loophole to the whole timeline of the astrologist. Randy thinks that her job as an interventionist, uh, that she's going to be trained to break this difficult news to the family. Randy thinks the family would be happy to know that he's not on drugs and not having sex and that he's just in love and wants to get married. Jen doesn't think Rishi will be happy when the when they blindside his family with the news, but she thinks that ultimately it's for the best. Jen just wants to know the timeline of everything. So, uh, you know, that's why she thinks this important meeting is important. Jen is trying to find the right thing to wear for meeting the family. And Jen thinks that she wasn't doing anyone any favors, uh, you know, him or her, for being patient with him telling his family. She's not telling the family about the engagement to upset him, but it's really, she's reasoned, to help their relationship. Jen hires a translator that meets with Jen and her friends. Jen is worried that the family will want to match Rishi with the translator Bindia. Jen fills Bindia in on their unique situation. Jen is sure to tell Bindia that they are engaged and the friends will be the ones giving the news of their engagement. Bindia thinks that this is a totally twisted situation and now she's nervous about what she's walking into. Yeah. All right. So Jen says, uh, you know, I'm not doing this, uh, you know, to be spiteful or to, you know, get him in trouble. I'm doing it to help our relationship. Do you believe that this is going to help their relationship? No, this is the dumbest plan I've ever heard in my life. This is just off I, I, off the charts stupid. Why mm-hmm. would anybody think this would work at all? Like, well, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine a situation where like, yes, your girlfriend's or – yeah, your fiance's friends yeah. come in and tell your parents, guess what? Your son's engaged to this lady. Pow, pow, and have that be a situation that improves anything ever at oh, all. Oh, yeah, but that's okay because now thing. they know for certain he's not on drugs and that oh, he's, right, right. you know, not having sex. So this is this is so much better news. She's a certified interventionist. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, your son is dead. What? Actually, no, he's just engaged to this lady. But weren't you really scared when he was dead? Right. You should appreciate <laughs> this, this news so much now. Better? You should appreciate this news. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so bad for this poor translator who yeah. is like – who – I mean because it's also like I'm just I'm, – I'm putting myself in her shoes and I'm putting myself in the way Jen reacts to it, right? Mm-hmm. Translator, I'm calling. There's a, a thing between two people and a couple. I come in. Only the why, only the woman's there. She won't shut up about how pretty I am. And then she's like, <laughs> "But I'm engaged. We're engaged. We're engaged. Yeah. We're engaged." I was like, is, "Is this lady trying to have me have a three-way in front of his parents? What is oh, going gosh. on here?" Like, <laughs> I'm so confused. It's I I I I can't even imagine like it, it, who thinks this is a good idea. Like this. So many different levels. Randy does. She keeps telling us what a great idea this is. And Jen does too, apparently. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's because to me, that just would be like, okay, no, I would think one thing. There's one thing that's going to happen with this. He will instantly break up with me. That's it. That's all that's going to mm-hmm. happen. Like, you, I inserted myself in between him and his family, 
and made decisions on his behalf that he already had a plan for. Like, why would I why would I want to be with that person anymore? That person has right. no regard for me, no regard for my agency. And there's no point in being that relationship. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I feel like, you know, asking an astrologist, like, so is there a loophole here? Yes. Right. And that's another thing, too, that is apparently that astrology, if he takes that astrology thing seriously, then like, yeah, if things don't go well, he'll just be like, well, if you had waited till for two months, like I said, everything would have been fine. Like, right. It would all right. be fine. The astrology went against the astrology on top of everything else. Well, and that's the other thing, too. Like, Rishi believes in this astrology. So it's mm-hmm. like you're going against what he believes, which fine, whatever. You went against what he believes. But he believes what the astrologist said, which is that their relationship is going to be very challenged and difficult. He tried to set up the most ideal situation and you've gone against it. And so if that were me and I believe that, I would say, oh, well, this relationship is going to be very difficult. I don't know if I want to continue. Especially if you're going to actively work against us by right. doing whatever it is to help make the, it more the, difficult. The opposite of what I believe right. is the optimal w- w- way to pr- way to proceed. Yeah, because like, because that, that's the other thing too is I get that she thinks it's not time enough, but he does have a plan. Yeah, right. He does, he does. He did give her. This is the date I'm going to do it. This is when I'm going to do it. And she won't. She's not even giving him the space to get there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of confused about the timeline of her visa, right? And I don't feel like she really super explained it very well. Um, It was just more like, oh, uh, my visa got renewed. I'm going back. So does she have a limited amount of time? Well, it it sounded like she had years on it now. Like the way I think she went back and she has like, she, yeah, I think she was like, I'm good for another five years. And it's like, okay, well that's, then the two months is not that big of a deal. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless she's concerned that, you know, it's five years, but she still has to do visa runs. Sure. Yeah. Because I doubt the visa is like good to like live there. Right. They're not expecting you to, because it seems like that would be a different kind of visa. The mature thing and the good relationship, healthy relationship things to do is to sit down and be like, listen, the two months is not good enough for me. Right. Like, I need an alternate plan. Yeah. Like, what can we do? What can we move forward? How else can we proceed? And not just be like, well, I'm just going to take this decision away from him. Right. And do it myself. Like, no. Yeah. That's, well, no. the problem is, is I don't think he would agree to anything other than two months. So, okay. you well, know. And then, and then if that doesn't work, then you, then you need to break up. Like, right. it, it's not – it's not the it's there's no situation where the best solution for your relationship is to take a choice away from your partner sure like yeah uh i will quickly note that randy smiled in this episode so <laughs> at which wait, wait at which point what did she oh did she smile about the dancing yeah the yeah, uh the yeah. stripper dancing right That's, right i don't know just yeah. because there was money in the mouth i guess that is kind which of a is thing. gross to me i don't think you should ever well, put money in your mouth Probably true, especially when strippers, when it came from, like, your crotch region. Oh, God, <laughs> no. <laughs> Although, yeah, you know. Uh, anyway, going on, I have Gabriel and Isabel left. So Gabriel is back in the States and says that it was trickier than he anticipated to get the paperwork done. So it's going to be a month before he can get everything straight. So he's meeting up with his mom, Marie, and his sister, Monica, for lunch. And he's just nervous about telling them that he and Isabel are going to get married, like, actually moving forward, proposed and everything. So Monica is happy that he's back, but she just assumes that it was because things were going so well. 
So he bites the bullet and tells them he's not he's back to fix his birth certificate because they can't get married until it says it says male on it. So Monica's first reaction is that she's upset that she didn't that he didn't tell her before he proposed. But she offers her her congratulations. In an interview, she says it hurts. She thought her and Gabe were closer than that. So Marie also says that she's happy for them, but wishes she would have misses that he would have told them. So Gabriel says that, you know, he kind of got that trait from Marie. She everything gets bottled up and you just, you know, take care of your own shit and don't talk to anybody about it. So they ask if he has like a timeline for the wedding yet. And he tells us that while he's been in Florida, Isabel has been planning the wedding, which now that they mention it, Monica wants to be a part of and she wants to be at, you know, be his best man or something. So they ask him if her parents know that he's trans and they're happy to hear they do and have accepted it. So they ask more about Isabel and he's a little worried that her personality and Monica's personality might be like a little bit too much of a match because you know how you don't hate you always hate the people that are just most the most like you, but just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. He thinks that might be the situation. So they might not get along. So then they just kind of plow through all the 90 Day Fiance plot lines. So then they bring up a prenup, which Gabe doesn't feel like he needs because, you know, whatever. The hardest part of any relationship he's been in has always been Monica's judgment. So they jump to the end of his month in the States and he's on his way back and they're going to get married within two weeks. So it's pretty stressful and Monica's driving to the airport and not really helping because she's kind of like, well, if I was getting married to somebody, I would be totally stressed out. In a different country, oh my goodness, I would be locked up with them forever. So she also brings up the prenup again and he shoots it down. She just thinks it's dumb and he should have it. I don't know what he's protecting with this prenup. It doesn't actually seem like he has any assets, but okay. So Monica says that he really has a type and that type is usually stupid, needy, and jealous. So he's excited that his mom and sister will be able to come to the wedding, but he thinks that maybe the distance him living in Colombia is going to be better for their relationship because the closer they are physically, the more they fight, which she kind of proves by starting a fight about that statement while they're in the car. It's like, we don't fight when we're together. You never fight. Shut up. We never already bickering. So she drops him off at the airport and she's worried about uh, the meeting you know, meeting Isabel, mainly because Monica has only ever criticized his past girlfriends. Okay, so I don't know. I kind of am curious as to whose side you're on. Do you think Monica is just a, like, protective sister or do you think she's been sabotaging his relationships? Uh, I think she's a protective sister, but she's also just not aware, right, of how she's coming off, how she's scaring everyone else. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, what I kind of also got the impression of is she just doesn't seem to be, like, kind of in tune very well with however everyone else perceives her or perceives Uh the same situations with her. Like, Uh even Gabe was saying something about, like, you know, uh, Monica's like, oh, I wish we were, like, roommates or whatever. We should all live together. And Gabe's like, what are you talking about? I never want to live with you. We almost kill each other every time. Monica's like, what? I thought we were having fun. He was like, no, I, like, literally hate you every time we, like, live together. (laughs) So I I feel like she's just not got a good, like shared perspective and she thinks it's coming off one way but it's clearly coming off another way yeah that might be true i mean it's she's a little sister too which is always which is a little um unusual you should get the big sister energy but yes she has trouble reading the room and i think it was like what i was just joshing and kidding around with your girlfriend and you're like my girlfriend thinks you're going to murder her like that is what i think i'm out like 
Yeah. Like, for real. Like, seriously is afraid of you now. And she's like, why would she be afraid of me? That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. That does sound that does sound pretty accurate, sure. Yeah. So I think she just, you know, just doesn't really get how she's being perceived. Um, yeah, I just feel like she's you know, I don't know, got a lot, and I feel like she's gonna be I don't even know the kind of person Gabe would have to be with in order for her to really kind of give them a break and like not be concerned. Yeah. I mean, because I mean it's for from what we've seen, if Isabel's not good enough and right. that relationship's not good enough, then there's nothing that is. Like, yeah. that, that, that there can't be something that is. And so, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, well, what, what, what are, what kind of standards are we holding people here to? Right. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting because, um, you know, we've heard a couple of people say that. Isabel is jealous. We haven't seen that side too much. We did see it a little bit when he had his uh, one friend come out. Um, but oh, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it wasn't jealous so much that she thought that Gabe was going to leave, you know. Actually, maybe. Actually, I was going to say, it's not that she cared so much because it was obviously a guy friend and she wasn't worried about that. But she did worry that they were going to, like you know, try pick up women together, I guess. Right. I mean, she that friend just seemed like, I don't like it when you go hang out and you go to the American bar and you're doing a bunch of stuff that I don't understand and I can't, I don't understand what you're saying and like, it's like that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. and this guy is, a, especially if she has a bad opinion about him, this womanizer right. you're running around with, are you going to yeah. play wingman for him? Like, what's going on here? Right. But I mean, other than that, we haven't really seen her terribly jealous Um, you know, not like Angela and Michael, right? Where it's like, oh, there's another woman in the vicinity, you know, like. (laughs) Yes. That that foot on the boat, picture in the boat that I see in the background is a woman's foot. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't anything that extreme. Um, and I think it's reasonable to be like, to be worried or jealous if it's like, oh yeah, your person's in the club where, you know, you go to pick up single people. Yes. Yes. It's right. a, yeah. It would be one thing if you're like you're hanging out at the singles bar. Like that's the singles right. bar. We all know that's the singles bar. Why are we right, at that bar? Right. right. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. Uh. So we got our last couple, Jamie and Chris. Uh. So Chris says that things have not gotten better since her video call with Jamie. Jamie is still angry that Chris hasn't come back, and Jamie insists that she wants, uh, you know, to be there, but she. Sorry. Chris insists that she wants to be there, but she needs to work. Chris's mom is doubtful about their relationship because Jamie picked out an apartment outside of the budget that Chris gave her, but then also didn't get a job as she promised to help out. She thinks that Chris is just a baby mama. Sorry, uh, sugar mama. I put that's baby different. mama. Yes, that's sugar different. mama. No one's a baby mama here. <laughs> Yeah, they are both frustrated that Jamie isn't working. Chris said that she sent $1,000 and Jamie was upset that it wasn't enough to pay the bills and her gym membership. So she was planning on selling the necklace that Chris gave her that ends up, we didn't know this at the time, uh, being a locket with her dad's ashes in it. Chris says that after Jamie told her that, uh, Chris told her that she couldn't keep doing this. Chris's mom believes that Jamie just wants stability and wants to be provided for. She thinks that Jamie is panicking that Chris hasn't come back. Chris is seeing Jamie in a different light. Chris says that actions speak louder than words, and she needs to see more action from Jamie. 
It's been five months since Chris has left, and back in Columbia, Jamie is both mad and sad. She meets up with her friend Alex, who she hasn't really met up with since Chris left because she's been embarrassed about the situation she's in and how she's allowed it to happen. Jamie tells Alex about how Chris went back because of the bank and medicine and hasn't been back to Columbia since. Jamie is traumatized, and Alex says that he told her so because that was his fear the whole time, that Chris would disappear again. Jamie understands that Chris needs to work, but she was supposed to invest in a business here. Jamie says that Chris told her to quit her job. So Jamie says that, you know, she did. And then when Chris said that she needed to get a job again, she tried to find a new job. But she explains to us that she is Venezuelan uh, living in Colombia and people don't want to work with Venezuelans. So it's been very difficult for her to find a job. Chris stopped contributing to the rent about two months after she left, and now Jamie can't afford rent on her own. Alex thinks that Chris played her, and Jamie is very frustrated. Alex thinks that Chris is making up excuses to avoid Jamie, and Alex doesn't think that she's ever going to change. He encourages her to end it with Chris, but Jamie wants to hear her out. Chris called Jamie and told her that she booked a ticket back to Columbia, and Jamie wants to have a serious conversation that she thinks will define the future of their relationship. Okay, so what was interesting about this episode is that we saw both perspectives, right? And in a Mm -hmm. way, I kind of feel like they're playing it up for the camera, trying to appeal to the audience, like why they're right. So we hear Chris talking to her mom, you know, giving her side of the story. Jamie talking to her friend, giving her side of the story. Mm-hmm. Are you team Chris or team Jamie after seeing these two segments? Uh, I'd say after this one, it's it's definitely more Jamie. Is Jamie being a perfect angel? No, absolutely not. Right. But in terms of whose fault is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Chris. Yeah. It's Chris. Yeah. Like, just, and I think the part that really got me was the part where Chris is like, she hasn't even have a job yet. And Jamie was like, I was supposed to have a job. We were supposed to work in a business together. Yes. That you were supposed to have them, but you told me you had the money for right. and clearly didn't. Yes. Like that same. When I heard that, I was like, that makes sense. And I mean, and it's 100% believable considering they talked about it together. They looked for food trucks together. Like that was yep. supposed to be both of them working there. So absolutely. From Jamie's perspective, it's like, I don't understand why Chris is in the U.S. working if we were both supposed to be working on our business here. That she told me to quit my job for. Right. Like, and, you know, she said that, you know, the whole reason why she's still in the U.S., I'm making you money. Well, weren't you supposed to be making me money in Colombia? Right, right. And it, and it makes sense to me, too, that, like, well, she, you know, Chris is just like, it doesn't, she's looking for a job, right? But then I was like, the Venezuelan thing, I was like, oh, I forgot she's from Venezuela. Yeah. So just like, Chris can't work there because she's not from Colombia. Yeah. Well, guess what? Jamie's not from Colombia either. Right. So she already had a tough, tough go for it. And other than that, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, do I believe the, 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 I would say the one bad thing that I do believe that Jamie definitely did was threatened to sell this necklace. Oh, yeah, for sure. At the same time, like, I'm sure she was upset. And honestly, it's kind of like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that, even if that's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But yeah, it was certainly a manipulation tactic, right? She's trying to get more money out of Chris and kind of like blackmailing her with it. I'm I'm a little confused about too, because there's some things that just don't, add up when you mm-hmm. listen to the two of them talk specifically right. the money right because mm-hmm. 
because Chris specifically says, I have to send her enough money for rent and the gym membership. Oh, clearly and then we go that's to Jamie, who's like, she hasn't paid rent in three months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so somebody's lying about that. Right. Right. I'm not sure who, but, but you know, based on the way, I don't know, just based on the way that the stories add up, I would say it's Chris. Like, she's the one who doesn't have consistent stories. She's going to, I have to go back to America for my for meds and then all of a sudden I'm working again. And then it just, it, the story from the beginning mm-hmm. where, oh, the money went away faster than I thought. And it was like all of the money that you had for years was gone in two months. Right. Like that's not – that doesn't make sense. It that doesn't, doesn't add make up. sense at all. And then the whole like, you know, oh, well, the motorcycle that, you know, I have to go back and sell because that's going to be part of our little nest egg. It's like these things. It's like what happened to the motorcycle? Like to me, it just always seemed like she was – you know, coming up with backup plans, devising escape hatches everywhere, like, yeah. you know, setting it up where she could just like pull the emergency cord like whenever she needed to. And she has. And I don't honestly, I feel if Jamie had reacted differently, that Chris might have, you know, come back sooner. Because I think mm-hmm. that's part of it, too, is Chris is just like, why do I want to go back there? She's like nagging me, like bothering me all the time. And it really seems like kind of that push and pull in a relationship. Like Jamie has needed that reassurance and Chris just needs her space. Right. Yeah. And so you get the uh, what the anxious avoidant trap going yes. on a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, definitely. and they definitely do show that like Jamie is certainly anxious. Yeah. Anxious attachment stuff, 100%. Right. And I feel bad for her because freaking Chris, like, just leaves and assures her that she would be back. Like, she said, like, what, a couple weeks at most yes. is what she said? she said at most, at most. And then, like, yeah. And then, and that gets me, like, that's what, that's what gets me is, like, when you said something, you said yes. a couple weeks. And in a couple weeks, you kind of have to expect her to be like, why aren't you back yet? And you can't be like, well, you just want everything from me and get mad at her for that. Right. Like you are the one who broke your word. And yeah, sometimes things go – things go when you have to – things change. But like you have to ups- uh, expect that that's going to upset people. Yeah. And like she, she just – she also just doesn't seem to have much empathy for Jamie's situation. She's like, well, I'd be back there if I could. Like yeah. what do you want from me? Right, and, right. And, yeah, it's just it's it's pretty frustrating to watch. Yeah. All right. Um so we saw everyone this week and uh interesting things have been happening. Uh who would you say is your student of the week? I think I'll say Nicole because she gave it I feel like this time she gave it the the the, the a, a legitimate try. Mm-hmm. Right? She went with Fatima out. She tried the things and she's frustrated enough about it but i i think the part i appreciate the most is that she didn't get a cat i I was just gonna say that nicole also was my student of the week but it was the cat thing because i think that's so responsible i feel like people are so like oh i want to have a pet you know and then they don't think about like their situation and i get it you know it's like you don't know the place that you have to move if they're gonna accept pets but Mm -hmm. if that's a part of your family you know, and you treat pets how, you know, like they should be part of, like at least pretty important. So you probably should look for a place that accepts pets, right? Instead of being right. so quick to be like, well, this is like where I want to live. So and they don't take pets. So bye, dog or cat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. And I, I'm especially 
like sensitive to that because I had I had a black cat. I'm watching a black cat now, and it's really a problem for black cats around Halloween. People yeah. just want to have a black cat around for Halloween, and then they want to just get rid of it. And I was like, why did you get the cat just to get <laughs> yeah. rid of it? It's dumb. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what about your dunce? Oh, it's got to be Osama. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I said, not everybody makes me yell at this television. So, yeah, Osama, just the his, like, change of plan, the way he talked to Debbie, like, that saddle was clearly not strapped to the donkey. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. all those yeah. things. Everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, what about your life lesson? I, my life lesson goes, I'm going to go to Jen and, Jen and her friends. Yes. And it's like before hatching some, I don't know, convoluted diabolical plan, (laughs) diabolical plan, like really think about what you're trying to accomplish with this plan and if it makes sense to accomplish that. Like if their plan, if they were doing this plan to get revenge on Rishi and Mm -hmm. stick it to him, this is a great plan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If their plan was to actually move things forward, awful plan. Like think about what. What's going to happen after you execute your plan? How do you expect things to go? Right, right. Uh, So my life lesson aimed towards Gabriel and Isabel and so many other couples uh, that are getting married. Um, Getting a prenup in two weeks, not a realistic plan. (laughs) But I feel like and we've seen this like with uh, Chantel and Pedro, too, right, where Chantel's uh, parents were saying you need to get a prenup. You know, that prenup was not even close to being like something that could be held up in court. Oh, they're they're all yeah, they're not legally enforceable at all. Like no. as soon as it comes up in court, the judge is going to be like, where did no. you get this from? And, yeah. you know, when did this happen? So it's two weeks is just not a realistic timeline. You should give yourselves months before because there's so many steps. And if you really want it to be. I, I, there's nothing, there's no such thing as ironclad, but, you know, if you want sure. it to be yeah. more likely to be upheld in court, I mean, unfortunately, and I know this is a thing that people don't, I mean, I don't want to do either, is like, you should get the lawyers involved. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's I not mean, cheap, but. It's not. Yeah. It's not, but I mean, in theory, it's cheaper than the divorce would be. Right. <laughs> cheaper than getting them involved in the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I. Uh, I'm excited about next week. Uh, my partner's excited about seeing Rishi and Jen and their whole family confrontation, which I was that, like, okay, that's that, an interesting thing to really get into. Poor, poor translator who has to sit there and be like, you want me to say that word for word just like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> interested to see uh, how Debbie's really going to react. I mean, she yeah, tends to be pretty true. calm about things, but, you know, I, I also can't see her letting this guy walk all over her right yeah i agree with that yeah so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yep all right oh and then uh yeah i want to see uh more about chris and jamie like what's going to happen next do we know when this season's going to end i think i saw may that you there said are is two when the... more episodes before the tell-all okay all right yeah so coming quickly to an end and then it looks like in the tell-all, at least the way they presented it so far, half these couples aren't even together anymore. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Right, so. <laughs> All right, so until next week. All right, see everybody then. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Good.